0: Right, We're all taking
1: right. all the best old school wisdom and blending it with the top new school methods to bring you the optimal coaching strategies. This, this, this is the eighty twenty baseball podcast with Coach Bo. Welcome 80-20 Baseball Coaching Community. Welcome to this week's episode. Before we jump in, big shout out to a former coach of mine. He was my freshman baseball coach in high school, and he coached me for varsity football. He was an offensive line coach, and he's now a head coach at Yorba Linda High School. That's the city I grew up in. Coach Jeff Bailey, 14-0 season. They went 14-0. They finished last night winning the championship game game, the Southern California Division 3 championship game. So a big shout out to Coach Jeff Bailey who played football at UCLA and was a center when Troy Aikman was there. And I believe he started when Troy Aikman was the center. I don't think he was the only center at the time. Troy Aikman was at UCLA, but he definitely was there as a center with Troy Aikman. And the reason I bring up Coach Bailey is one to give a shout out to him because he's a great person, but he's a perfect example of a coach that can care and that does care about his players. He's always cared about his players, as individuals, as people, as human beings. He's always genuinely cared about his players. He's always had a little soft spot for all of his players, but he runs a disciplined winning program. His team wins. If I'm not mistaken, that's his fourth Southern California championship in 15 to 18 years of being a head coach. He wins, but he also cares first and foremost about his players. He cares about them as human beings. I just think it's so important to understand this. And I hope you all bought in by now and and believe me and trust me on this. You can win just as much as any other coach and more. The same time, you can care about your players. You can make them better people and get them ready to be much better adults. They're not mutually exclusive. So a big shout out to coach Jeff Bailey. 14-0 last night, was watching on TV, streaming it live up here in Boise. 9-6, they won on a 42-yard field goal. Great game. Game. great coach. Shout out your Belinda High School Football and Jeff Bailey. In this episode I'm going to share out a audio clip of one of the top three hitters of all time and he's going to share a specific hitting swing tip that I think can work with a lot of your players that will help a lot of your players or at least some of your players. I know this is a common hitting flaw, swing flaw and I'm going to splice that in in just a minute. I have a great message about the size of baseball players. Good message. It's wrapped into our quote of the week, the size of baseball players. And lastly, I have a book recommendation that would make a great gift for a youth baseball player in your life, your kid, and or the players on your team. Quick review of last week. How much raw raw from the dugout is the right amount? Three guidelines that I shared with you that allow players to have fun within set parameters. So if you have not listened to that last week's episode, go back and we are going to to dive into more dugout tips, how to have a healthy, cohesive, energetic dugout that's focused and in the game and just a good environment in the dugout. Last week, I mentioned that I would be discussing that a little bit this week. I think we're going to push that back to next week's episode. Just a couple more quality tips to have a much better dugout environment. And if you don't have a good dugout environment, ooh, things can fall apart really quickly. So go back and listen to last week's episode. If you have not, then check out next week's episode. We're going to hit two really key dugout tips that we did not get to last week. All right. Now, when I said earlier, one of the top three hitters of all time, when I said top three hitter of all time, who is this top three? I'm going to use this disclaimer. I could sit here. We could all debate who the top three are. I think we could probably, a lot of you, and make a great argument for who the top three hitters should be. And we have probably five, 10, 15 different names in there. But I think there's one that we can all probably agree upon as one of the top three of all time. Now, whether he's the top or the second best or the third best, I don't know. You could could go to the analytics on it, the stats, but the hitter that's going to share out this tip right now to me is is just top three hitter of all time for me, top three. And that is, and he is, I should say, Ted Williams, Teddy Ballgame. Now I'm gonna clip in, I'm gonna splice in this clip about the swing from Teddy Ballgame. But first, I think most of you know this, but if you don't know this, Teddy Ballgame, Ted Williams was of course a left-handed hitter for the Boston Red Sox from 1939 to 1960. He played 19 years. You say, well, that doesn't add up, Coach Bo, 1939 to 1960, shouldn't that be 22 years? It's 19 years and a lot of you know why. He, in the middle of his prime, when he was 24, 25, and 26, he went to World War II. He was serving the country in the military. He took three of his prime years. And you say, well, 24 is kind of young. Yeah, but he had hit 37 home runs and 36 home runs the previous year. In fact, he had well over 100 home runs. He had like 130 home runs before he even went off to serve our country in World War II. He missed three full years in his prime, in his prime, and he still hit 521 home runs. Now, here's something that's really interesting. This is the mark of a great hitter to me, somebody who can hit for power, but also strikes out at a lower clip. It's like a strikeout pitcher, a pitcher that has a lot of strikeouts, but also has fewer walks. That strike out to walk ratio for pitchers is a big stat for me. And with hitting, it's your power numbers. He had 525 doubles, 521 home runs. He had over a thousand doubles and home runs. He had about 1,100, over 1,100 extra base hits, and he only struck out 700 times. That's a huge stat. So he actually holds the on base record for major league history. He has the highest on base percentage of all time at 480. He was on base 48% of the time. Not sure why. baseball does that. Why can't we just do 48%? Why do we got to add that extra digit in there? But I digress. So he got on base 48% of the time, batted 344, but he had power numbers. He had 1100 extra base hits. 1100. If you get a thousand hits in your major league career, that's like, yeah, that was a, a good career, right? I know 3000 is kind of that hall of fame pinnacle mark, but you get, he had 1100 extra base hits and only 700 strikeouts and he missed the three best years. So if he would have just hit his average amount of home runs, he would have finished with with well over 600 home runs, which would have put him in the very top. And then you factor in how many times he struck out or how few a times he struck out. He had over 2,000 walks and 700 strikeouts. And let me say that again, 2,021 walks, 709 strikeouts, but he also hit with pop. See, if you don't hit with pop and you don't have any extra base hits and doubles and things like that, but you don't strike out a lot, are you really helping produce runs? Are you just putting the ball in play or hitting little dinks and dunks? Hey, with two strikes, those can be very helpful but if you're going up there with that mo the entire at bat that will lead to very low run production or much lower run production in my opinion i think we should teach hitters to be selective with their pitches have a good eye but also swing with some power when they can now with two strikes they may have to just put the ball in play reach out poke it and bloop it in over the first baseman's head or hit a ground ball try to put it in play and leg it out move the runner you know that sort of thing with, with two strikes on a pitchers quality pitchers' pitch so needless to say ted williams could flat out hit. Real quick, to give some context here, Tony Gwynn had a 20 year career, so about the same amount of games or more games, but about the same length of career in terms of years. Tony Gwynn, lifetime batting average 338. He got on base 38% of the time. He got a hit 33% of the time. Tony Gwynn had 130 home runs. Ted Williams had well over 500. Ted Williams had a little bit better batting average. I'm not a huge fan of batting average because it leaves out so much. I've talked about that at length, but Ted Williams and Tony Gwynn, he said had about the same lifetime batting average, but Ted Williams had 1,117 extra base hits. Tony Gwynn only had 763. That's a huge difference. Runs are produced by bases, total bases. That's a, the biggest driver, right? You got to move the guys up in front of you to score runs. You have to get to the next base, then to the next base to get to home plate, of course, as we all know. And Tony Gwynn didn't miss three years in his peak. He didn't miss three peak years. Now, by no means is this a knock on Tony Gwynn. I just loved watching Tony Gwynn hit. I liked his approach, but I think he gets a lot more credit than he probably deserves, in my opinion, when it comes to run production as being the best hitter or one of the top hitters of all time. To me, Ted Williams is a much better hitter all time. So here is Ted Williams talking about the swing. Now he's talking about the hands and the setup of the hands. Now listen closely to what he shares here because this is something I see a lot in youth players. He talks about where the hands are set up and what the hands do as the pitch is coming in and being efficient with the swing. Here we go.
0: Now, earlier we were talking about time, the time element. Something all important because the more time you give yourself to look at the pitch, why, uh, the less you're going to be fooled. If you take a lot of time to swing to get the bat from the position that you may hold it to where you're going to hit the ball, if you take more time to get that bat from that position to where you're going to hit the ball, why, you've got to start earlier. In other words, you can't wait. Now, a problem that a lot of hitters have is trying to eliminate a hitch. Now, first of all, what is a hitch? A hitch is simply dropping the hand as you're anticipating going in towards the pitch. A hitch is dropping the hand and then coming up to go into the plane where you're going to hit the ball. Now, why is a hitch bad? A hitch is bad because it takes time to drop your hands. It takes time to come up. And the thing we're trying to do is be quick with our hands and wrists. But consequently, this takes enough time that you have to commit yourself sooner towards going into the pitch. Now, it's much better if you can keep your hands steady and still without too much of dropping of the hands. much better to come back this way than to come down this way.
1: All right. Ted Williams has a lot of knowledge out there, a lot of wisdom that you can go find. But I thought this clip, this discussion, this quick tip that he shares out, I think it's a big deal for a lot of youth players. On the surface, it may sound like a small thing. And it is a little thing, but hitting is such a big thing. Remember at eighty twenty Baseball, we're all about the big needle movers, but then diving into the details of the big needle movers and hitting is a big needle mover if not the biggest at least the biggest on an individual player level on a team level hitting and pitching are about the same in terms of the impact on the game but on an individual level hitters typically are going to be a good hitter is typically going to be in the lineup consistently and get their three four five six at bats on a fairly regular basis where they wouldn't necessarily pitch every single game or as consistent as they're hitting so the hitch what he's saying is and you can visualize this instead of the hands are set they're in their set position the hands, the ready, the ready position, the hit. And as the pitch is being released, as the pitch is on its way, depending on how slow the pitcher is or being released, if it's a fast pitcher, does the hitter drop their hands and then bring it back up to the pitch plane or the swing plane? Does it go down and then back up? Or does it go straight through to the ball? Does it get going straight on its swing path? And that's essentially what Ted Williams is saying here. No extra movement, no extra movement, no unnecessary Movement in the swing. This is interesting, and we see a lot of uh pitchers shortening their arm path in the back. They're shortening it up over the years. It's been kind of a big thing over the last. It started about 10 years ago, but it's really a big thing over the last five years. Pitchers shortening their arm path up to be more efficient. Not shortening it up just to shorten it up to be quick necessarily, but to be more efficient, taking out some extra length that might have been in there or might be in there in the arm path. Now, some pitchers need that length, it's part of their whole thing it's part of their delivery it fits them best but they were finding pitching coaches pitchers were finding that overall pitchers typically the average pitcher had a little too much length in the back and that's going to vary from pitcher to pitcher of course just like this is going to vary the swing is going to vary a little bit from hitter to hitter but there's fundamentals there's first principles that make sense there's first principles that we must follow to coach our players to be the best version that they can be of themselves and no extra movement no wasted movement no movement that doesn't work towards being productive towards the end goal of hitting the ball solid hitting solid line drives all over the field the extra hitch as he explained takes extra time makes the hitter have to commit earlier we do not want to have to commit earlier because then it goes back to the hitting approach now our pitch selection our hitters pitch selection which is the main key of all keys when it comes to hitting is going to inherently deteriorate hitters are going to swing at more pitches that they shouldn't swing at they are going to chase more pitches and that's because they, like Ted Williams said, they have to commit sooner because their swing takes more time because of the hitch. So what he's saying is from the set position, don't drop your hands. Hitters shouldn't drop their hands down just to bring them back up. Now you might say, what if they have a low swing path? Anthony Rendon starts with his hands low and kind of stays low through it. And there's hitters that are a little lower now than before. Ted Williams started with his hands a little lower than a lot of your guys like Mike Trout. Mike Trout's hands are a lot higher up than Ted Williams and two of the greatest hitters of all time. But what he's saying Ted Williams that is is that you shouldn't drop down and then bring them back up nor should a hitter go up and then come back down if a hitter were to drop down and then stay from that downward spot that lower spot through into their swing then yeah that would work but he does recommend having a much quieter did you hear him say a much quieter relaxed more steady still hands as the pitchers starting his delivery and releasing the ball I think this is really great this forces players to stay more relaxed it forces them to breathe and relax and keep their hands still and in control. It keeps their eyes a little, it helps to keep their eyes a little more level, it keeps their body a little more under control. So I thought this was a really great point that I do see a lot of youth players doing. They get up there, the pitcher's about ready to throw the ball, and they drop, or the pitcher's releasing the ball, and then they drop their hands to bring up, just to bring the bat back up right after that and then start their swing. Now he did mention, uh, you probably caught this, he did mention that pushing the hands back, back towards, say, the catcher, back towards the um- back towards the backstop pushing him back a little bit he said wasn't as bad because it would still at least keep the bat and the hands on the swing path level that it was going or that it's going to take so he said if that's going on and the hitter's having success essentially what he was saying is just let it go but when we work with our hitters let's try to eliminate that hitch that downward drop of the hands then to come back up so i thought this was a good tip by one of the top three hitters in my opinion of all time ted williams now for the quote of the week another left-handed hitter who did also play for the Red Sox coincidentally he does not play for the Red Sox now in fact he's with the Yankees Andrew Benintendi said this quote and I think this is really good to share with some of your smaller players maybe some of your players they don't feel as confident because they feel a little smaller than all the other players and here's the quote quote that's the beautiful thing about baseball. You can be any size and be successful. End quote. I think that's really great to share with maybe a small player you have. Maybe your kid's smaller, or maybe your player, one of your players is a little undersized. I think this is a good thing to share with them and say, hey, look, look at this quote from one of the professionals, a really good player at the professional level saying, that's the beautiful thing about baseball. You can be any size and still be successful. You could also show them clips of Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, rather smaller guys Altuve is probably one of the smallest guys in baseball and you could show them highlights of these guys just doing absolute damage show them their awards show them the success that they're having talk to them about being world champions even though they're much smaller than the average player so I think this quote's really great when you have smaller players and that is quote that's the beautiful thing about baseball you can be any size and be successful end quote Andrew Benatendi I'm a huge fan of sharing out, being authentic with our players and, and giving them hope and, and giving them confidence, but having evidence, having a quote from a major league player, especially if it's somebody that they know or follow, or showing a video of small players that they can relate to, that they know they've seen on TV, showing these players have success, showing them ripping some doubles, some home runs, hitting the ball off the wall, making strong throws. I think that can go a long ways. I think you'd be surprised, or maybe you wouldn't be surprised, but I think we would, we probably on average averages coaches underestimate the value of sharing some of these things, sharing these examples to really boost up the confidence rather than just telling them, hey, you're great. Hey, you're good. Hey, this success confidence comes from being successful and also having the hope that you believe that you can be successful. And that belief really is super helpful when you see small kids. If you are a small kid or you're coaching a small kid or you have some small kids on your team that feel just like they're a out of place, they don't feel confident because their size, share them the This quote, but share them the videos of Altuve and some of the smaller guys in the league having success. I wouldn't go back really far with older players because maybe the connection, the relation, they don't relate as well, but definitely find players that play in today's game that are small and show them the success. Show a pitcher that's small that still throws hard. Does that mean they're going to be like Jose Altuve or throw 98 miles an hour? Of course not, but it definitely doesn't hurt to show them this stuff. So I love that quote. That's the quote of the week right there. And now we're rolling in to the final part of today's episode, a great book that would make for a great Christmas present for your kid or other baseball-loving kids in your family or on your team. And that book is titled, It's a Numbers Game Baseball. Subtitle is The Math Behind the Perfect Pitch, The Game-Winning Grand Slam, and So Much More by James Buckley Jr. This is a great book for seven, eight, nine, definitely that nine, 10U, it's a math book. There's equations, it's essentially turning math and the numbers and using baseball and, and turning it into a more fun experience with baseball as the learning vehicle. I think it's a great book, I highly recommend it. Christmas is coming up. Again, the book is titled, It's a Numbers Game, Baseball, The Math Behind the Perfect Pitch, The Game-Winning Grand Slam, and so much more by James Buckley Jr. It has really cool illustrations Photos and the math, the equations are broken down. It's very well organized. I like this book for younger kids. I don't think seventh, eighth grade necessarily, high school, no. But I definitely think that eight U to about twelve U, eight U to eleven U, eight U to ten U would really like this book. I'm not affiliated with this book. I don't make any money by recommending it. I, my mom actually had bought it for my nephew, and I was over at her house, and she had it. And I said, "What's this?" And I started flipping through. I go right away. I was like, this is a great book for those kids that like baseball. On the back, it says, Get to know every number in the game from the first pitch to the last pitch. You'll have a home plate seat to the most amazing moments in baseball history the length of the base path, the famous retired uniform numbers, the greatest stats, and the crazy calculations behind winning plays. Jam packed with infographics, fun facts, sports history, and tips and activities to help improve your own game. So I know Christmas is coming up, and I know not everybody celebrates christmas but hey those of you that most of you do celebrate christmas giving out gifts around that time hanukkah coming up this to me is a really great gift for your young baseball kids your young baseball players in the family All right, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. I look forward to being back next week. Next week, I'm going to share those two dugout tips, those two additional dugout environment tips that help your team get along better, helps the players get along better and do better out on the field when they get their turn, when they get their opportunity to score runs or stop the other team from scoring runs. I have two dugout tips that will help you win more games, but also more importantly, help you win your dugout as a coach and set those parameters so the dugout is a fun play to be organized, fun, on task, focused. Also next week, the second part of next week's episode, we're gonna discuss pitch count recommendations and I'll share out some context to the pitch count recommendations and give my thoughts on those. So pitch recommendations next week. And until next week, head over to 8020baseball.com. we got a dozen articles. There's a dozen videos. There's the drill design guide. Head over to 8020baseball.com. Up your coaching game. A lot more. Go over there. Get that drill design guide. Check out the articles, coaching videos. Email me your success stories. Email me your questions. Send me over an email, a question or a topic that you would like to see covered. We are a community here, the 8020 Baseball community, coaching community. So send me over your questions or the topic or topics you would like to hear me cover or to discuss on this podcast. So send those over to me, Coach Bo, B-O, Coach Bo at 8020 Baseball, or you go to the website, there's a contact page. Let me know, send that over. Share with me what you would like to have covered. Also share your success stories with me. Email me those, love to hear those. Support the podcast by leaving a authentic, a honest review rating. That's really a big thing for the podcast. So I would really appreciate that. And until next week, Take care of yourself, your health, your family, your close friends. Take this information out there so you can take care of that baseball community, your team, your players, and make it a much better experience for all involved. Until next week, adios.
0: This has been the 80-20 Baseball Masterclass. Take it to the field.